You are listening to the LTN Book Club, a bi-weekly read-along podcast positioned at the intersection of nerd and literary culture. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club. y'all welcome to the ltn book club podcast uh tonight i'll be me katie is going to be hosting and i have introduce yourselves <laughs> to all the lovely people i'm madeline i'm john and i'm matt tonight we'll be discussing uh michelle pw's book um it began with a lie Content warnings for this book are mental illness, gaslighting, psychological and emotional abuse, and spiritism. So for the back of the book, it reads, A fresh start. That's what Becca hoped the move from New York to Redemption, Wisconsin, would be for her troubled family. A way to get her crumbling marriage back on track and to bond with her difficult 16-year-old stepdaughter. But instead of a new beginning, Becca is thrust into a mystery mysterious past she barely remembers a past that includes the complications of interacting with her old teenage crush daniel as well as living in her aunt's old house a house with a violent past a house the locals swear is haunted but there's no such thing as ghosts right so could there be something even more sinister out there to destroy them and can becca discover the truth before it's too late this book was published by Love Base Publishing in 2008, and it was all, or, sorry, 2018, not 2008, and it was also the winner of the 2018 Paranormal Romance Guild Reviewers Choice Award in the category of Romance, Paranormal, Mystery, Suspense, slash Gothic, Mythology, Folktales. That's a very big category. It, it had all of those on the website. <laughs> I tried to get it smaller. Oh, I, I, yeah, them were there. <laughs> super convoluted. Wow. I mean, that makes it more impressive, though, right? Because it won out of all of those. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Um, so from our mailbag, Tyranny Albright says, I'm starting chapter 9, 10, and she says she likes it so far. And also, Brian Falk said that. I haven't ha- even had a chance to start it. I'm making it my goal to be done by the time the es- episode e- airs. I need to get back to reading like I used um, to. And just for well, point will- of reference, it is currently April when we are recording. <laughs> so just enough, April 2021. So. so so there's a good chance that you will have plenty of time by the episode, time the just episode airs. Just in case airs. you hear this in April 2022. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so people who we think should read this book and we who we think would like this book are people who like mystery, thriller, subs- suspense, uh, ones with themes about reconciling with your past, books that include ghosts, and dealing with bad relationships. Also, uh, ones that include The Good Witch and other witch-esque stories. Yeah, because it definitely has very much like Good Witch, The Good Witch on the Hallmark Channel vibes, that like mysterious woman mm. who lives in a house and the house is like no, known in the town and so, but this is a little bit more like a whodunit than a 
than than the good witches most of the time anyway. We are now moving into the spoiler zone. So to start off, we have the theme of abuse. So uh, anybody want to start us? So I don't think we can talk about the abuse in this book without talking about Stefan. Oh gosh! <laughs> um, and like, now, did you say Stefan or Stefan? Because I heard Stefan. Oh. He just feels like a Stefan. See, so I listen. I like that better. I listen to the audiobook, and they pronounce it Stefan in the audiobook. But Stefan is it is definitely see. But then I also whenever I hear Stefan, I think Jamelia White um, and uh, Steve and Stefan Urkel. Which is crazy because I just watched that episode. So I, that's uh, that's why I'm like Stefan because. But see, when when I hear Stefan, I think of Wardell Stephen Curry, and he's so baby faced and like sweet and innocent. Like I can't imagine Steph Curry doing that to anybody. Doing these things. <laughs> when I hear Stefan. Uh, but um, so for those of you who are listening to the spoiler zone and haven't actually read the book. Uh, Stefan Stefan, this, okay. this jerk, um, is is Becca's husband, second, second husband, second, second husband. husband. <laughs> he is, uh, another character, Chrissy, his, her, her bio dad. And so Becca is her stepmom. Um, and he is the antagonist of the book. It turns out at the end. Um, he's been yeah, all, all along. along. Uh, he has been. Well, well I, I can't say all along, though, because like, even though it's not really delved into, at least in this book, her mother, Becca's mother, was definitely very abusive. True. Yes. And her cousin. True. And, 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 C, and CB, like everybody book, in her life pretty much is the very New Yorkers. Abusive. The New Yorkers are all abusive. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan is a New Yorker. The people from from uh, Redemption are not abusive. At least not all. Not like they're just. Well, her friends are, but that that nurse uh, Ellen oh. or Esther, or whatever, she was definitely abusive. Yes, she was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so An abusive nurse working in a psych ward. I mean, come yeah. On. We'll talk about that, it. That I promise. Ner- that nurse <laughs> trip is there. Um. But okay, so he he is the one who has been manipulating Becca behind the scenes, making her think she's going crazy, um, playing into her history of like abuse at in Redemption, right? Because like she had a has a night that like she something happened so bad that she's literally blacked out the entire day. Um, well, she abused alcohol. We know. Yeah, because she had to have her stomach. Yes, pumped. yes, she did. And I don't think anybody. I don't think any of her friends. At least from what I don't think her friends did that to her. I think she did that to herself. Um. Well, you know, I've read the rest of the series. I don't know. We don't. So we don't know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, uh, she gets worse. So missing Jessica got her to do that. Yeah. So she she was drunk and her friend disappeared, and so she has this like residual trauma from the whole experience, and everybody in her friend group does. 
Um, on top of which her family has reinforced the idea that this town and her aunt and the house are bad juju. And so mm-hmm. her, so Stefan plays into that drugs, her, her makes her, makes her, makes his stepdaughter like go crazy at the house and like makes her think that she's, she's going nuts. And cause the house has a history of someone going crazy and murdering somebody else. Um, like all good haunted uh, houses. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and so like the, the, the matron of the house murdered the maid because she thought she was, she was being yes. paranoid because she. Mad Martha thought Nellie was smashing. Eddie. Yes. Do we, yeah. do we know why in this That's book or is that the next book? I'm trying to remember. N- no, okay. no, we don't. I don't think we know. Yeah, and then they, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. I'm trying to remember where this book ends. <laughs> It's been so long. Uh, it all kind of blends together. Yeah. So he's kind of a jerk. And on, and like on the. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then on the. Um, on the abuse side, like super manipulative, like constantly gaslighting her and just kind of turning the tables on her and super like hot or cold is it's yeah Stefan is very stick and carrot um and mm-hmm. so he's like we're getting this house that was your aunt's so that we can turn it into a, a a nice home because inevitably the stereotype is when you inherit uh, a building from your family it's gonna be a hoarder's house. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to sell it and then we'll have money so that we don't have to worry about the stress in our marriage and we can reconnect, even though I'm going to be hours away in New York most of the time and you can't call me and you can barely even text me, um, because I am very busy with work. Uh, trying to save my yes, firm. My law firm is failing yeah. because I'm embezzling from it. And spoilers, <laughs> Stefan is the embezzler he's trying to find. And so I need to save it for oh, myself. No. Yeah. Which the whole um, thing to me is like, what? Because like, it's not like she had a house in Pennsylvania, you know, or or Jersey, or or Connecticut, or even Vermont. That's something reasonably close to New York. They're mm-hmm. in freaking Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> Like that—that that is not a—that is not a simple commute. Like the whole plan was fishy from the drop. I've been like, hey, look, either we st- like, there's no point. Yeah. Yeah. It was very. Um, well, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it was very frustrating as a reader to hear. Um, Becca say, "The whole point of us being here is so that we can work on our marriage," and I'm like. You can't work on your marriage by yourself. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this any other way. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I would try and read over or like fast forward through Stefan's parts very much. And I probably will not, will not go back to read this book ever again because of him. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say this was probably my, well, one of my issues with the book is um, Stefan is super manipulative, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, he's he's a bad dude. I expect that. But there's like 
like almost nothing. Like I can't think of a single like redeeming quality about no. him. He's not even good manipulative. Like there are manipulative characters people love because there's some type of charm or wit or something about them. Because this they're good dude, at it. This dude is dry as toast and manipulative. Like, yeah. He yeah. is nothing there. 100% a jerk. Like, well, there's yeah. another word I want to use for him, but I can't. So, uh, <laughs> but he is like the <laughs> biggest jerk ever. Um, and yeah. Well, if you think about it, I mean, most of his manipulation came through his daughter, which I mean, makes that it worse. Makes yeah. it worse. Yeah. <laughs> His underage daughter that he recruits into drugging her stepmother so that she hallucinates. And pretending to flirt with him? Oh, there's which, that. Yeah. Granted. Which which is yeah, which is which is creepy. Which and granted, at this point in the book, since I've only read this first one, I can't say for sure that that was Stefan and wasn't other stuff in the house going on. Because there is other stuff in the house going on as well. It's not just Stefan is evil and that's where everything came from. Right. Because the house is haunted. Um, mm-hmm. Just not as haunted as they first thought. Yeah. Yep. And the the, witchy, the witchiness. But, but to me, did, did <laughs> Stefan, like when it came out that he was behind everything, did he even go back to New York? Like, I, I figured he would at least like maybe just down in Milwaukee and was manipulating things from not that far away like i don't think he was going back and forth to new no, york no he was because he was he was uh I, having this affair with, with his secretary oh, that's why he was that's why he was smashing the 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 mm-hmm. secretary yeah, yeah. <laughs> that becca knew all along <laughs> and and stefan was like how can you even say that i love you <laughs> see and like i really think that, that- stefan's ability to abuse becca really comes like she is so she so wants to make it work with him because of her parents right like her, the, the, well that yes. in her go for that in the past failed yeah. marriage well, that's, but her parents yes. shamed her for the past failed marriage so much so that right. she is not gonna let this marriage fail and so because and like because she has no individuality she doesn't know who she is she doesn't have because the person that she was as a teenager like ended up with a friend going missing and she was in the hospital almost dying from alcohol poisoning and so she like full-on went and started to do whatever her parents told her to do and and then this is the one time that she's actually stepped out to do something that they don't want her to do because they don't want her moving back to redemption Mm -hmm. um and all of that like years of conditioning to follow um what the people in power of her life are trying to tell her to do is kind of crumbling um which Mm -hmm. is good but yeah her parents her parents always told her you need someone to take care of Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. um and then they never taught her how to take care of herself Mm. um and that's their my biggest problem with them um is that they're like you know, I understand wanting to get married, but you can just live with us forever. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not the other alternative to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's very, uh, very unhealthy. And it definitely leads into like our second point, our second area that we were going to discuss, which is the mental health that you see throughout it. Um, like the gaslighting 
that he does causes a lot of problems and um if if people I, i'm not sure if everybody knows what gaslighting is our to our listeners but um it's a form of emotional ma- manipulation where uh it results in the recipient doubting their perception of reality as well as their sanity so it's mm-hmm. essentially like um their reality being denied so much that they can't really tell what's real and what's not which is a major major theme in this book yeah um hopefully um i'll put a link in our in our description so um if you want to learn more about gaslighting or if you suspect that you or somebody you know is being gaslighting uh, you can have some resources and some immediate tools uh, to work with because it's incredibly damaging as we saw in this Mm -hmm. book. Um, Becca is constantly doubting herself. um, And she's, and every time when she's away from Stefan, particularly when she's with her friends um, and she's like, Oh yes, these are the, these are the things that give me agency. These are the things that I can do that are good for me, Mm -hmm. um, that aren't making myself a doormat and aren't, um, hurting me. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause, um, by the end of the book, um, a lot of awful stuff has happened to Becca. Um, and then she'll, you know, Stefan's coming back into town. I'm going to make his favorite dinner. I'm going to dress up super nice. And he's going to come in and be like, ah, we should have sex. And she'll be like, yes, we're working on our marriage. It's so good. <laughs> and it's, it's just very. That is the definition of her working on their marriage. It's just dropping like it's <laughs> Not like that though. <laughs> That's her doing all of the work. <laughs> and then him being like, here, I will control you. Um, it's, it's, yeah. It's scary to watch um, and very frustrating for me, at least. I was sitting there yelling at Becca all the time, (laughs) which I admit is a problem for me. Um, I struggled with blaming, victim blaming, um, with blaming Becca for the situation that she's in. And this is a a bad thing. And I had to give myself a couple of talks um, because it's not Becca's fault. She has been abused. Um, And fortunately, in the story, we're able to see her um, work her way out of some of that and her friends definitely like with gaslighting it it definitely helps having outside perspectives like having a variety of people not just that are completely supportive of you and not just like friends of whoever is gaslighting you like it really because they they typically can like outside people who see it from the outside typically can see it before the person who it's being done to does. So there's a lot of times where it's um, the friends or uh, extended family who, you know, kind of point it out and are like, Hey, this is not okay. So it's like her having that friends and then like contributing to her uh, agency is definitely one of the things that can combat- combats that gaslighting that she goes through absolutely plus these are the these are the people who knew her when she was a teenager um and she used to visit Mm -hmm. her aunt and so they know like the person that she was before being conditioned to be super codependent um and so they have like 
this impression of her as being this vivacious, independent spirit who wanted to be a painter and do all of these things and like her, like, and be like her aunt who was a single woman living alone in a house in the middle of Wisconsin. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a life goal. So, <laughs> Some of us have small goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. She, and she ran her own business and she was successful on her own and super independent. Um, and like that was the person that young Becca or yeah, Becca, not Rebecca, but Becca. Uh, See, I can't get, I can't come around to calling her Becca, but continue. Um, <laughs> like young, the young Becca wanted to, wanted to be. Um, and then the trauma of losing Jessica and it affected everyone in the town, not just her. Um, and so like having them around and being reminded of who she's been, who she was back then, um, because no one in her life in New York was doing that, like give, of like reminding her that she had dreams and she had a personality and individuality and agency um, is super helpful. As much as I hated Stefan, the entire um, whole mental health facility was my absolute least favorite part of the book, and Stefan isn't in it. Um, so, well, well let, but before you you go deep there, Madeline, um, can we just talk about the gross negligence and abuse of power and access of Doctor Call Me Pete? Yes, absolutely. Because that was that was terrible. Yes. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to just go? Um, so there, he doesn't be, he doesn't come on the character for very long, but under the guise, Stefan playing his games, um, Stefan playing his games. I just can't say Stefan under the guise <laughs> of Becca finding a job because they're broke because of all this terrible embezzlement going back in New York. Uh, he's. Stefan is pressuring Becca to find a job. He's like, hey, I met this guy. He invited us to dinner. He got some leads for you. Um, Stefan decides to go charm the man's wife while Becca is in the kitchen. And this guy, Pete, comes in. They start talking. And he reveals that he is a doctor. And not only is he a doctor, but he's a like, psychiatrist. And not only is he a psychiatrist, but he was a psychiatrist who treated her 15 years ago after her massive trauma and after she got out the hospital and had her stomach pumped. So he obviously should have some clear doctor patient privilege there and should not be seeing her in such a capacity. Then we come to find out that he okayed this uh, committing of Becca. And we find out it was of course under the orders of Stefan that was that whole like it's it, it's crazy because i don't i don't even know what his motivation would be to work with stefan like like how much was stefan promising him like i how because it means like how much is this little like i know she had the the money from the grandparents she can't touch till she's 55 and that then we find out that aunt charlie keep the woman who originally owned the house left her this house but i'm sorry uh 
and an in inheritance. I don't know how much this inheritance from Montreal could possibly be because some little house, I'm sorry, and this whole little house in Wisconsin can't be worth that much. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> I got no family in Wisconsin, so, don't, Wisconsin so don't, don't, don't think I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the real estate market <laughs> in Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. It can't be worth that much. Not enough to go back and live in New York. So I don't know how much money this could possibly have been for Dr. Pete, who seems to be living pretty well. But just a gross misuse of access and power over mm-hmm. Becca's past and you know, he's out there, you know, prescribing psych meds. My thought is Stefan probably blackmailing him for something terrible he did, but who knows? Or bribed him with all he's a lawyer. The, lawyers are lawyers. All the monies that he's been embezzling for the last few years. So. Yeah, the millions <laughs> yeah. of dollars and trying to run away to Ecuador. Hey, yeah. <laughs> don't think I did <laughs> <laughs> could could have picked a better place with you we know, have a non extradition like we don't have an extradition treaty with Ecuador, so right? That's why everybody goes there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. Um, and that actually plays really well into um, my biggest problem with this scene or this whole chunk of the book. It's more than a scene. Um, Beck is committed against her. I'm just a little summary before I get into my problems with this Becca is committed against her will um for according to Stefan um threatening to hurt Chrissy his daughter with a knife and threatening to hurt herself with a knife uh, we should have put in a a warning for uh suicidal behavior um mm. even though uh Becca doesn't have it um this is what Stefan says when he's committing her um and then when she's in this facility in tiny little town of redemption, they have a stay the night mental facility with redemption. multiple patients. Well, though uh, they did explain it's a wing of the hospital, that it's not a true facility. It's even still. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then um, she has literally nurse ratchet. Um, <laughs> And uh, she's allowed to have a lot of her personal belongings in the room. And it's incredibly easy for her friends to sneak her out. Comically uh, easy for them to get her out. So, okay. Breaking it down. It is possible to get uh, committed against your will. It is very difficult. Uh, they need good evidence and usually need a court order. Yes. Um, or um, to do this, not just the the testimony of your husband and your stepdaughter uh, and no physical evidence. Um, generally, uh, if you are resistant to, uh, well, backing up, they will always ask you to come willingly uh, if there's evidence that you are acting suicidal uh, or homicidal. Um, they're going to ask you to come willingly if it's evident that this is a mental health crisis. Uh, if you are not willing to come uh of your own volition, then they move forward with, um, other issues. Um, but it's a lot more difficult to happen, uh, than it is in this book. And, uh, they don't tackle you, uh, in your house. <laughs> they don't. Oh man. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, I, I, I worked in EMS for a while. I, I took in patients, um, who we got to agree to go, 
um, of their own volition with us to the ER to get checked out to go to mental health facilities. Um, but, there's in, no, but then there's no trauma that way, man. This is my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book creates a lot of situations that sometimes do happen. Um, it is possible to have a dirty doctor. It is possible to have the nurse from H-E double hockey sticks. It is possible <laughs> to get committed against your will unlawfully. Um, it's extremely difficult for any of those one things to happen. Well, maybe not the nurse from H-E double hockey sticks, but um, it's, <laughs> it's statistically impossible for all of them to happen to a single person. Um, and I feel like it was harmful um, for mental health in general for this to be betrayed this way in the book um, because it does not incentivize asking for help because even mm -hmm. though at the end of the book, um, Becca gets a good uh, therapist who's able to work with her on her own terms um, and provide her an appropriate uh, medication if she wants it. That's not what happened for the most of the scenes with mental health. Um, and I feel like that that would negatively incentivize someone who is in a crisis to seek help because it's being shown as, why would I do that? I'm, there's no reason. Nobody's going to believe me. Um, nobody's going to actually try and help me. I'm going to go and be tortured and be made to feel like less of a person. Especially with the, like, just uh, when Becca was in the mental health facility um just the fact they kept her sedated pretty much like she had to actually stop taking the medicine like hide hide it yeah and particularly with no, like yes at times in a hospital in a mental health facility they might uh medically sedate you mm -hmm. but it would only be if you are exhibiting violent tendencies towards mm -hmm. yourself uh, often, more often than not, though, it's towards another patient or towards a staff member. They're not just going to keep you. And like, usually, zonked. it's going to be a last resort. They're going to be trying everything else possible before they have to do that. Yeah, so, they went. They went straight to. Oh, you're not going to take it. Okay, here come the big buff orderlies, and we're going to shoot you with a shot. Like yeah, that doesn't yeah, go down. The, it's. It is very frustrating um, to have all of this portrayed for the sake of drama um, when it could have been portrayed in a realistic manner, her just getting committed against her will. Um, and that is traumatic enough in and mm -hmm. of itself. It didn't have to be all of the rest of this. Um, so, yeah, I didn't I did not like that. And I, I agree. Um, there, there has the portrayal in media period of mental health advocates, mental health practitioners mm -hmm. is widely negative. And I mean, for the, like you said, for the sake of drama, personally, to me, if you're trying to write or portray a psychological thriller like this with a little paranormal mixed in, the best way is to make, the mind and keep the mind being the scariest place mm -hmm. and the scariest place for that person who's not sure if they're okay is going to be in a padded room four walls, not orderlies, not, you know, nurse ratchet, but isolation, 
mm-hmm. silence, you know, that that's going to keep her tripping, especially then being medicated with whatever they were medicating her with those paranoia, allergy paranoia meds. Which <laughs> was, you know, I don't know what company was making them. I got to find some of those. But, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> allergy meds. That, I mean, I, I can imagine. Take Calavert for your allergies. You can breathe well, but you might start yeah. tripping. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I, I did. Include paranoia. I guess I kind of could believe the allergy medicine a little bit because when I was a teenager, I had a really bad reaction to uh, some antihistamines. And it really did feel like I was tripping. (laughs) So, oh yeah, no, I I mean, I'm not, I'm not debating that 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 is a possible side effect to the medication. It was just like you think someone would remind her, like, hey, by the way, don't forget that medicine made you crazy. You know, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Surely, when she was discharged from the hospital after she had her stomach pumped, they would be like, "Never take this again." It would be in her medical (laughs) records. Never take this again. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, like it and then like okay, on top of that, you have this the ghost in the house, right? Mad Martha. Mm-hmm. Who is it's this book that we get her diary, correct? Yes. yes. So and her locket. And her locket, yes, the locket and the diary. And so Becca finds Mad Martha's diary. Whether or not it is the real Mad Martha's diary, I don't think we ever really like know for sure, but I think it is. Because it, it, they, I don't think Stefan would go to that level of <laughs> manipulation. He's not that he smart. Does, he does get the, he, the locket is something that he does bring in. But anyway, so. Um, Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. I mean, we're in the spoiler well, this zone. Is spoiler so. zone. <laughs> um, um, he. So, and my Martha, we find out uh, the reason that she gets she um, is so like mad, you know, crazy, is because she's suffering from postpartum depression. Um. And like, mm-hmm. so the ghost is crazy because of an illness that wasn't, she they didn't know about in her time and didn't know to treat. Um, and so mm-hmm. there's that, like, this is a history of abuse towards women specifically who show tendencies, uh, certain tendencies that are not socially acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. The hysterical women within that particular house. Yes. And that, yeah, well, like, yeah, because the aunt was also considered that too. Um, yes, like she was an eccentric. Um, she lived mm-hmm. alone and she supported they herself. They all have the same allergy meds. Yeah. <laughs> this is all on the allergy. I meds. mean, everyone thought she was a witch, and like, what is that? But the masses labeling um, women who were socially other for as a a means to control. Um, mm-hmm. and keep the social order in place. So, Well, she didn't help herself by telling everybody, hey, yeah, I'm, there's a ghost in my house and it's just cool. Which, like, that will get people calling you a witch. If you, like, you live in a haunted <laughs> house and you talk about how you be talk, you see this ghost all the time and it's just cool in the oh, game. And you, Most and people you hear ghosts and they're like... remedies. <laughs> exactly. So, but I mean, like, it that's definitely is. People calling you a witch, 
but I mean, at the same time, it was very endearing. Like, it seemed like the town was, like, loved They bought her. into this story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was more of a, it wasn't that it would start a witch hunt. It was more like, a, oh, yeah, she's the she's the town town she, witch kind of thing. Like, <laughs> she takes care of us. She's, she's cool. a local witch. Go help. Go talk to her. She'll help you. <laughs> yeah. Up. She know what she's doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, the, isn't there, like, another name for that it's like the wise woman or yeah the yeah wisdom. exactly so it she, is she's, more like she's, that. she's the, the mama she's the mama <laughs> Odie for yeah of yeah. this area you know mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. exactly <laughs> so not really like they didn't really call her like it wasn't that same stereotype of like witch it was definitely that well they called her didn't they call her crazy charlie or something like that yeah but it was yeah, more they in did. in a I don't know. It felt like it was more in a like endearing. Uh, depended on who you talked to. That is true. It, it did depend on who it was. Because I think when Becca was in the bathroom in the bar, there was that one really rude woman who was like, yes. That was Nurse Ratchet. And- oh, it was Nurse Ratchet. That's right. <laughs> You're living in Crazy Charlie's house. Yeah. She's just Thank you problem. for living out right. your caricature. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because she was wait, she was um Daphne's ex. Yes. Yes. She was Daphne's ex. Whole other mm-hmm. drama. Small town drama, though. Yeah. I mean, that clearly didn't end well. <laughs> and that's what what's interesting with the setting too is that like it is a small town, and so a lot of these secrets are not really secrets because the whole town knows, mm-hmm. and like. Which is why uh, it's insane that they just walked out of the mental health facility. <laughs> if everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, but really. Um. How many Asian women are in this small town of Wisconsin? But really, though. One of, one of the <laughs> and, and like, as I'm reading this, and I'm like, she's, they're going to, okay, so just to set the preface, folks. They're going to do the big breakout. We're going to have our Ocean's Eleven moment here, and we're going to break Becca out of the mental health facility. So Daphne, um, who they don't describe, um, but because they decided to, you know, point it out that she's a lesbian, she probably dresses more of in a masculine manner. And they have Mia, who's an Asian woman, who's a foot shorter than Becca is. <laughs> and the foot shorter woman is the one that they pick to bring identical clothes for, pink shirt, hat pants for becca to wear to sneak out and sign out as mia becca the red-haired caucasian woman who was a foot taller than her asian friend and she's supposed to calmly walk up sign out as mia and walk out i'm like you really couldn't have just swap those two around <laughs> gone <Yeah>. as daphne <laughs> <laughs> like i'm just i i I was like, you weren't trying really hard on this part. Like, you were trying to get this done. Well, Daphne did have history with Nurse Ratchet. And so, like, and we see that come into play as they're leaving. So, like, if it had, if she had been trying to be Daphne and Nurse Ratchet had called after her, it, that it would have been, been bad. But yeah, but she could have been. But the, uh, my thought was when they first had the Jessica Ghost talk about, like, hey, there's so many people. You can just walk out it would be just dress her up as anybody and have her walk out not have her be mia 
But mm-hmm. you, they could have written any name in in that log. They mm-hmm. could, they, you know, they could have written Jane Foster, like <laughs> Jane you know, Foster. <laughs> it didn't have to be. Sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, but you chose the Asian yeah. woman. Okay. There's a lot of. And you're really banking hard on that orderly book, not paying any attention. For sure. Yes, like like this is this is WWE level of suspension of belief. <laughs> and I'm a wrestling fan saying that. Like this is crazy. That being said, I was thoroughly enthralled in the what is going on with Becca's life, even though yeah. <laughs> everything else was just all over the place. Not gonna lie, I thoroughly suspended the belief until after I finished the book and then went, wait yeah. a minute. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so we have talked a little bit about Jessica and like what's going on there. And I think that was one of the things that we all kind of talked about as we were talking about having finished the book, like right after we finished, it was like the least satisfying aspect of this book was mm-hmm. the, there's no payoff. Yeah, the Jessica moment was such a, was mm-hmm. such an important like historical point in Becca's life, but we don't really investigate it in this book. Um, there's there's no my problem with that was that the i mean i I saw her trying to leave the trailer bread comes to read books too and how many other afterwards there there weren't enough breadcrumbs for me five okay there 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 was not enough for me to be like i want to keep reading so i find out what happened to jessica because they that and then the whole thing with Daniel talking about the town wants who the town wants and the town doesn't want who the town doesn't want. And I'm like, okay. And then there was like no more it's talk like about Mystic that. Falls over I'm here. Like, like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. You, you, we have the, and I, I mean, I'm halfway through the book. I have a missing girl who no one has seen in 15 years. And now I have a town that just doesn't want some people, but does want some people. And, and so mis- it eats them. And yeah. And, and it mysteriously ate all the adults during a snowstorm. So one, this is Wisconsin. It snows a lot. Uh, I don't know how many adults are still around then. And, <laughs> and there seem to be like no children in this book, except for like, you know, Chrissy and like the one mention of her friends so maybe this time I went reverse and the children I don't know but we've got these two big reveals of you know you know mysticism type things on top of you know Charlie and Mad Martha so why can't we get a couple more nuggets to make somebody want to keep going I was mm-hmm. like you just you, you said that and you let it go like I'm supposed to be so intrigued for the next 20 chapters to to want to go to the next book like no, nah, I I was like, so not 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 enough. There. I read the second book, found out what happened to Jessica, and then stopped reading. Because like that's all I. Read. <laughs> you didn't. I started book three, and I was like, hey, now I'm done. Let me put it this way, Campo. I I read it on um, Kindle Unlimited, uh-huh. and that version has yeah, yeah, yeah. chapter one. And I was like, I I read the first like two sentences. I was like, you know, I don't care. <laughs> Just, I don't care. Kindle Unlimited has a version that has all three books in one. Uh, the first three books are all like it's like a all three books together, and so I just kept going. Oh, so yeah, volume. I just kept going, and I was like, I got to book three, and I was like, so, meh. So really, what I'm hearing from all of you is that next time I suggest a 
thriller horror book, I really need to go a lot farther. <laughs> more horror. Well, more horror. For Madeline, Madeline would prefer a lot yeah, more horror. I mean, but. yeah, I was, I was, I was trying to find an easy book because because Matt and John no, were no, like, no, I have no. I, no, I have. <laughs> I, I love psycho. I mean, I'm good with the good psychological thriller and, you know, less on the, you know, this wasn't, you know, this less on the, you know, the demonic, thing. you know, or blood and guts, like, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like I just, but can I get just some better framework? I don't that do, cool. I don't do paranormal <laughs> horror. I had a girlfriend in college take me to see paranormal activity. Never again. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, but there's a, there's definitely a difference between and and that's I think hey, hey, look, what look, look, look. this is this is the brother who didn't even see Final Destination. I just saw the trailer, and when I see a log truck on the road, I am not driving behind my truck. <laughs> that ain't True that though. You're right. You're not lying. Um, yeah. So I don't do I don't do that, and I don't do like Saw or Hostage or Hostel or but whatever. But you see the, the difference. There's a very very big difference between book horror and. Uh, movie yeah. horror, yeah, yeah, yeah. like book horror, doesn't really have a lot of the gore and stuff. We're getting a horror lesson from you now. Let's go. <laughs> so I was, I was trying to. This was a very softball one because I mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that it was all good. But uh, it'd be very interesting to see, like, so that it's like a book that includes more of that uh, mystery and more of the. Uh, spiritual, spiritual, supernatural kind of elements that kind of pull at the mystery as well. One thing we didn't talk about is, um, well, that much is Becca's relationship with Chrissy. Um, and since we do have a, a parent of adolescence here, Matt, I was curious uh, <laughs> to find out what your thoughts were about mm-hmm. that. And if you feel like you're also pulling your hair out, trying to get your adolescent children to talk to you, or if you have a good <laughs> relationship, that would be great to hear about too. Wow. Okay. You'll put me on the spot. It's the only one uh-huh. with old kids. Um, <laughs> I have four daughters. So let me preface this that way. Um, one of them is 25, so I've gone through the ringer, gone through this 16-year-old stage, and then uh, the the next oldest daughter is 12, so I'm about to re-enter that zone. Um, <laughs> and then the last two are 11, so, I mean, it's, they're all right there. Uh, so pray for me, y'all, because I'm going to have three <laughs> teenage daughters. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do that. This The, the relationship with Chrissy, um, and, my, and I'll preface further, my oldest uh, two are are, you know, technically on my stepchildren. So I can relate directly in that aspect. So I, I, I felt where she was coming from in some, in certain relations because, um, you know, my kid's biological father is a bum who don't take, didn't take care of him, you know, so that wasn't around. So there is a certain level of trepidation you have as a step parent. I can't speak, totally to the situation that she is in the book because you know i've been i rose raised my kids since they were you know young kids since they were essentially five and three so coming in who was a kid that's already you know a teenager it's a whole other ball game 
because they are sometimes in a place where they're already just too hurt um, to, to, to let you in and getting them to talk regardless of those that are your own, their stepchildren, you adopted them, getting a teenager to talk to you is a task and a half. Um, they've got so much mentally going on and it's, I'm not surprised with how, actually that was one thing that wasn't badly written was her inability to connect with Chrissy because Mm -hmm. Chrissy's a teenager. Chrissy's hurt with the abandonment by her mother. And then she's being, you know, manipulated sinisterly by her father. Mm -hmm. So they're like, Becca is in completely like, she's just in no man's land. Like there is this, she has no shot of winning this. Um, And she did the best thing she could do, which was continually just try to be there for her and look out for her, despite the fact that Chrissy was gaslighting her um, throughout this uh, before it was evident that Chrissy was gaslighting her. But some of it was really just normal teenage stuff. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she willed and Becca willed herself through it. Like, you know what? Let me cook something that she likes. Let me go out my way mm-hmm. to try to make her feel comfortable because I want mm-hmm. this to work. Um mm-hmm. You know, I know say, you know, hey, you know, you're, I think you're sleepwalking, you know, let's, let's talk to your dad. I think you may need some help. You know, let's, knowing when to not come down super hard when the kid comes home drunk and when to be super serious when it's like, hey, okay, and you walked out. Now we need to really have a serious conversation. So mm-hmm. for someone who had no kids, um, had a terrible upgrading from we can tell from her parents. She did a pretty good job. Like that part was pretty, pretty well done. Um, and that goodwill she instilled between her and Chrissy obviously came through in the end where, you know, Chrissy turned the tables on Stefan and admitted to the police and I guess the more mental health facility people there that uh, Becca didn't attack her, didn't try to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So any final thoughts on the book or any of the themes? Any, anything you'd like to add? You know, I mean, we kind of talked, we kind of mentioned it earlier as far as I mentioned earlier with the whole town, not letting people out, but mm-hmm. um, that could have been like, I, I really wish when they were describing how Becca was like losing it, you know, like, like I was pretty entertained by the depiction of her going to the grocery store and like furtively looking around corners and like peeking around yeah. and make sure she's, not, <laughs> yes. she's going super paranoid. That was pretty entertaining. Um, I would have liked it for her. And look, look for y'all don't know I'm black. We don't, you know, we don't mess around with haunted stuff. House is talking. We see things moving. We ain't sticking around. So part of me would have been like, I was like, just woman, get out of town, go somewhere. <laughs> and that would have been Run nice. If, it'd have been nice if in her paranoia, she decided to, you know, go for a day trip to Milwaukee or whatever, because she just needs to clear her head. And yeah. for some reason she can't get past city limits or mm-hmm. for some reason she can't go beyond five miles. So all, all of a sudden, like, you know, she lose, her tire goes flatter, you know, something crazy happens that keeps her back in town. Like mm-hmm. that would have been cool to add to the the eerie feeling that they're trying to to portray here. 
Um, because I, I just think common sense wise, some people would have been like, you know what? I'm out. Um, this is, yep. this is wild. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is not, this is not cool. And that, that did not take place. So I would have liked to see something more, uh, like that would have been a lot cooler or have, um, the homie CB show up, um, and end up having him be Stefan's partner, which would have been really, really cool. Whoa. <laughs> that would have been cool to me as, um, the, the big reveal that the Stefan was pulling the, you know, was pulling these strings and that CB was pulling the strings right with him because he seemed to be, yeah. So I will say, um, CB does show up more in the second book. Um, and is, I, does CB know more than he let on at first? I'm yes, yes, he does. He knows a lot more oh, than he let of on. Course. Um, so, oh, of course. I think he's the he first was, abuser. He was shady, but though. You are, you are definitely on, on the shady track with CB. He is shady. Everybody in Becca's life is shady, except for her gal pals <laughs> and Daniel, Becca. the one cop that's mm-hmm. not. I don't trust Daniel either, though. So. <laughs> that's that's just me. I don't trust Daniel either. No. Uh, he's maybe, a little maybe too I'm white knight too nice yeah he's a cop yeah he's a yeah i mean he's a cop too but he not only too nice but if you're re- if you're really my friend and you're trying to help me out with this really weird situation that i'm in and you suspect something why are you just choosing to reveal to me bit by bit what you know yeah right yeah like you could, talk, I'd have been like when he when he mentioned the whole town thing, and then this, you know I'm looking into your husband and this and that. I'd have been like, why? Oh well, like, like well, well, you know, do we you recognize he, this person? Don't yeah, worry we, about it. We, we <laughs> this and this and that. Like, like, bro, you could have told me that months ago. We'd have been cool. Like, I, I wouldn't be tripping right now. Like, we would have solved this. But don't be all mysterious, bro. Right. <laughs> like my, my man was trying to, I don't, I don't know. See, and that's why I don't trust him. I don't, I trust, I don't trust him. He's got an end game. I don't, I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah. And he's got that whole obsessive obsession with the, the mystery of the town and Jessica. And mm. it's just creepy. I think he's like the last surviving ghost child person. Like, I, I don't oh. he, I want you to write this this. book, Matt. Yeah, I'll rewrite the book because the boy is creepy. Daniel is creepy, and every time like Becca turns around, Daniel's there. Like, what it do? (laughs) (laughs) She goes out to the rock. There he is. She goes to the restaurant, comes outside. There he is. She goes to the bathroom. She's out gardening. There he is. Yeah, bathroom. Every single time. That is some stalker creepy stuff. Right. Like standing outside the right. bathroom waiting for her. His girl yeah. went in the bathroom. No. Mm. <laughs> his fiance. <laughs> fiance, fiance. Right? Like his fiance. <laughs> like my man was just there too conveniently. And mm. yeah, I, I don't I don't trust Daniel neither. It was a rough. Mia was rough. Mia and Daphne, they're real ones. I'm I'm cool with mm-hmm. them. But um everybody else, everybody else is shady to me. The I just couldn't get over her codependency. It was just driving me crazy the entire time. But that's like all I have to say about this book. Um, it was. I mean, I enjoyed it while I was reading it. I've looked for reflecting on it. And I'm like, eh, yeah. Um, I'm sure there are better. There are definitely better uh, kinds of books like this that I would enjoy. I wanted to read more books like this. 
John doesn't want to read any more books. He's done. No, no more books. <laughs> he just doesn't want to read no. this. Okay, so fun fact. Um, Bubba can cut this if he wants. Um, I finished, I finished <laughs> reading Red Rising today, and I literally walked into our school library and got all of the books in the series off the shelf and just took them to the counter. <laughs> nice. I was like, I'm going to read. I was like, this is my weekend. I will take these, please. <laughs> this is my weekend. And the librarian was like, what? You're going to read all of that in a weekend? <laughs> and the assistant librarian was like, well, he finished the first yes. one in like two days. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Not going to lie. I have like five books that I'm currently reading and I just like cycle through them. I feel that. Yeah. So. But if you do like <laughs> this book or psychological thrillers and you want to read other books like that, Katie, you have recommendations? Uh, yes. So, I mean, you could definitely check out the rest of the books in this series, especially if you do want to find out what happened. I to will Jessica. say the second I mean, book is better mystery. than the first one. I will give it that. It is not so far-fetched. It's a little bit more and real. And we have not. So. And none of us have made it to the third one to really give. Of the five. Well, I wouldn't tell the people that, then that they're not going to so. try. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be it could be even it could be get better as it goes. Um, but if you like one similar to this, books by Riley, I don't know how to pronounce Sager, his last name, Sager, but Sager? Sager, yeah, S A G E R. Uh, it he does a lot of not. It, it's more like it kind of mystery like psychological books but they have some interesting settings so like one of his is like at a summer camp and then another is like this very old uh exclusive apartment building and they're all kind of that like haunted ish but not really kind of feeling and it, it is it's got some interesting uh so twist like- though i will i will warn you that if you've re- read like two or three of them you can pretty much tell what's going to happen at the end so of the other ones but i mean uh well eh, depends on how many yeah and also like sort of <laughs> like you <laughs> i know i'm, I'm doing terrible recommendations terrible <laughs> job at this but uh so it, it's like predictable in that you know certain things for sure, but you don't know exactly gotcha, what it gotcha. is. So, of, so you'll be able to predict the ending, but you'll enjoy the so ride. of like yes. Final Girls, yes. The Last Time I Lied, Lock Every Door, Home Before Dark, or Survive the Night, which one would you say is a good place to start? Um, so the place I started was actually Lock Every Door, and I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was really interesting. I've read... Uh, sorry, I'm looking... Yeah, Going back to the titles. Pause for internet. <laughs> yeah, pause for internet. Um, I've read a few of his. Um, so I've read, yeah, Lock Every Door was my first one, and I really enjoyed that one. Home Before Dark was pretty good, too. That one was definitely more Haunted House. I think I liked Lock Every Door before that. Uh, the last time I lied was okay. Um I didn't enjoy that one as much. Um, but I mean, it, it wasn't bad. I just, it wasn't as good as the other ones. And I, I think that's, I haven't gotten to survive the night. Well, yet. that one hasn't come or, out yet. 
I started Final Girl. Oh. Well, that would make sense. <laughs> that make sense. I, that would make sense, um, too, I that haven't... you like to lock every door in Home Before Dark more than the last time I lied, since those are later works that he's been able to fine-tune yes, himself. Yes, so he, his later works are definitely... Like, I, I started Final Girls, but I, I didn't really get very far with it. So I would say his later works have definitely... It is definitely an improvement. And I think that's probably why I found... So I read The Last Time I Lied after I read yeah. the other two. So I think that that's why I found it more predictable. But again, it was his one of his earlier works. And so I think I think that's more why I found it that way. Um, so I would definitely recommend the later, like Home Before Dark and Lock Every Door um, to start off with, for sure. Very much enjoyed this. And finally, uh, another book is The Grip of It by Jack Jemk. Jemk, I think is how you say it. Um, This one is about a couple who gets a house as a fixer-upper. They don't have any kids, and they're working on their house and working on their marriage. Uh, And the house turns them insane. Uh, And they both stop trusting each other for part of, well, for some of the book, I won't say how much of it. Um, so if you like books that deal with home renovation and uh, relationship issues, I would also recommend The Grip of It. Um, I was I felt like The Grip of It was uh, probably two or three steps more creepy mm-hmm. than this book was, FYI, uh, if there was a creepy scale. Um, so just know that going into it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it for some, it only has three stars on audible, but it has three and a half stars on Amazon. So (laughs) I really liked it. So if you care at all more about my opinion than Amazon, (laughs) there you are. And if you want to go something classic, there's always the haunting of Hill house. Mm -hmm. It is not like the TV show. The TV show has taken some inspiration, but it, it's very different, very, very different. But it's, it's a good, good classic, uh, classic haunted house book. If you have thoughts on the book, we're discussing that uh, on that book that we're discussing, we might read on air or books you just like s- to suggest to us. Um, drop Madeline a line at madeline at lovethynerd.com. And also you can find me on Twitter at, at K-R-R Tejador, that's T-E-J-E-D-O-R. Um, and everyone else, where can the peoples find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at J camp underscore over underscore day, or hop into my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash Alenshin, A-L-L-E-N-T-I-O-N. You can find me on Twitter at underscore rocking Mr. Magic. That's rocking minus the G M R M A G I C. You can also find me on Twitch at Rocky Mr. Magic. On Facebook at Rocky Mr. Magic as well. <laughs> uh, and you can find me at Mad underscore Seed on Twitter uh, or Madeline Turnip Seed on uh, Facebook or Lady Seed in the LTN Discord. And be sure to check out all the podcasts in Love Thy Nerd Podcast ne- Network and also on LTN Radio. The Pool List is a bi-weekly show about how comics, pop culture, and faith affect culture at large, and it's hosted by Chris Poyer and Hector Murray. 
Humans of Gaming is a weekly show about video and board games that features open and honest conversations about games, life, and belief. This one's hosted by Drew Dixon and Chris Gwaltney. Uh, Free Play is a weekly show about any and all things nerd, where you feel more like a participant and less like a rando on a message board. It's hosted by Kate Katawaki, Bubba Stalkup, and Matt Warmbier. Church Nerds is hosted by Anna and Bubba Stalkup. This is a special morning show each Friday that combines their church cred and their nerd cred to show you just how well these two ways of life come together. And finally, Two Words is a wrestling podcast for fans by their fans and the newest addition to the Love Thy Nerd podcast na- network. This one is hosted by John Berkey and Matt Coker. Also, be sure to connect with us on all your social media platforms. Just search Love Thy Nerd or find links on our website, lovethynerd.com. Thanks, all. This has been the LTN Book Club. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club.